The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's been a long day. Grab a cold drink and step into the man cave. Your hosts, Ray Austin and J.D. Harris, are getting the discussion together, so it's sure to be an exciting hour of fun and talk. We want to hear from you, too, so get ready to speak your mind. We don't judge here. Now your hosts of The Man Cave, J.D. Harris and Ray Austin. What's crack-a-lacking, everybody? We are back. Uh, the sun is out, although everyone I talk to sounds like me uh, fighting the weather and illnesses and stuff like that. But uh, I'm so excited. I'm geeked. Had a great weekend. Reese, what's going on with you, brother man? Oh, man, nothing much. Just uh, trying to stay cool. I mean, well, not cool. Just trying to stay warm out here. I was about to say, it, it's not hard to stay cool out there. Yeah, you know, uh, yesterday it got down to about 16 degrees, believe it or not. But uh, it warmed up a little bit, but it brought a little bit of uh, snow this morning, so... Actually, Zuria was out of school today, and Nyla, she had to go in a little bit later in the morning. So I just picked her up not too long ago and got back. I'm ready to talk some sports. Okay. I mean, <clears throat> we're going to jump right into things. One of the things we have to address, man, I mean, I get it from a business perspective. Uh, you have so many millions tied into Colin Kaepernick. But the San Francisco 49ers hiring Chip Kelly, it's smart from a business perspective, but dang, man, <laughs> can somebody else get a chance up in this thing? <laughs> but Yeah, I mean, I, I guess they looked at it from a financial standpoint. They have so much money tied up into cap, and they figured that uh, Chip would be able to come in and, and uh, utilize his skill set. I I personally thought that Chip was going to end up in Tennessee. I'm surprised that uh, he didn't uh, come down here, but we'll see. I mean, this will probably be uh, Chip's last chance in the league if he can't do anything uh, there with, uh, you know, a quarterback that is, you know, used to running that type of system. I mean, uh, Cap ran that at, uh, where was he, Nevada or Utah State? Nevada. I can't remember. Nevada, yeah. So um, <clears throat> we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I know that your girl Jamil uh, Hill is not uh, not uh, happy about that situation either. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, and I think it'll be okay. But I feel, I mean, like at the front part of it. But here's the situation: you have him just coming from the situation in Philadelphia. It's like with your kids, if you reward them after they've done something wrong <laughs> they don't necessarily learn from their behavior and I feel like this is a situation where Chip Kelly is being rewarded and yet has really acknowledged hey what what was going wrong in Philadelphia um, and I think that that could be very po problematic in this situation uh -uh. yeah but isn't that 
isn't that really the way of the league? I mean, we talk about uh, coaches being recycled and not uh, bringing in new blood and and coaches failing in one location and, and getting hired, uh, you know, the next year or a year after without uh, putting in the work and, and, and records, you know, demonstrating an ability to coach at, at this level. Uh, case in point, you know, and we'll get into this uh, a little bit later, was uh, Andy Reid. Um, he had some good... Yeah, he had some good years in Philadelphia, but, you know, here we are in Kansas City and we see some of the same uh, coaching mistakes happen during the game. So, well, so and, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, let's, uh, staying on this subject, though, uh, with Chip Kelly, his situation is a lot different than, to me, a lot of other coaching situations. He came in. He actually just did not – I mean, in no other team – did you pretty much dismantle every Pro Bowl player that you had? I mean, because you couldn't get along with them. I mean, if it was one or two, that's different. If it's several, you're talking about four or five players, there's a problem. <laughs> and I think that, so, yes, guys have been recycled, and that is an issue which we're going to go dealing with your area next, but Usually it's okay. They won some, they lost some, some, but they typically have had an advocate on some of their with some of their superstars on their team. Chip Kelly's situation, there's not one guy that has come out and said, "Man, you know, Chip got he got screwed in this deal." You know what I'm saying? It, it was like yeah. it was a celebration. You know, usually you. You got to have at least a, a quarter of your team saying, "Hey, those other dudes just were chumps." I mean, he his only advocate probably could be Riley Cooper. Yeah, but you know, I, we we can throw a lot of blame at Chip, and, and rightfully so. But we have to look at Philly's, you know, owner and the management there also for uh, giving him those powers to make the moves that he made. Uh, granted, you want your coach to have the pieces that he deems necessary to win. But, you know, if there wasn't any type of checks and balances or a, a raising of questions as to, okay, why do you want to make this move? Why do you want to make that move? I think that in in that regard, he was just given too much control too soon without understanding the culture of the league, without understanding the players in, in the league. And, and this, this, I, you know, personally, I don't think he's racist. I don't think you can, can uh, be around a team that is 60%, 70% African-American or, or a minority and, and, and be racist, even though, I mean, How there are some cases in, in, in the past in college, you know, in the sixties, but I, you know, I mean, I, I, and I by no means am I saying he's a racist, but I am going to challenge you on that statement. I mean, if you're looking at them at, as commodities instead of humans, you can still, I mean, as a commodity, you can still be racist and still be around. It doesn't matter the numbers. They're a means to an end, but that doesn't mean that you like them or you're not racist. Even though well, I'm not I think, saying that about yeah. him. Well, with that same uh, frame of mind, I mean, we could look at Jerry Jones and say the same thing and, and, and how uh, 
uh, what you call it, was treated uh, and shipped off to Philly. You know, and, and now he's sitting there and he might actually end back up in Dallas uh, this offseason. So, I mean, it's, it's a business, number one. Uh, you, we know, I mean, these owners really don't care necessarily about the players. I mean, the dollar, and that's why the Rams moved back to L.A. It, it's always about the business. It's always about dollar signs. And, you know, that's that. Which but, I think even... Uh well, going back to the Rams, that's a great business move. It sucks for you as a player because you go from, I mean, but some of them probably aren't necessarily happy in Missouri, but you're now you're having to sell your home or try to get a, to live in L.A. That just went up. Your cost of living just went up unless they put something in, which you can't technically do that because there's a salary cap infraction, um, you know, within – the whole NFL community, but that's going to be interesting. Um, yeah. But kind of staying on the subject of things as usual, I mean, let's look at the Titans. I mean, you had, you pretty much kept everything status quo. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know what's going on here. I've tried to uh, tune in to local news a little bit more. Um, but uh, like like I said last week, you know the fan base here is very disgruntled. Uh, right now, they have two professional teams that are really flailing right now, um, with with no coach, no identity with the Titans, and the same can be said for the uh, Nashville Predators, the hockey team here. Um, but it, it was kind of, you know, disheartening to see the lack of effort to go out and get uh, a coach that has some si- some type of, you know, I would have been happy to to even see them interview Lovey, even after he was let go from Tampa, which is a downright shame. But interview Lovey. Uh, there's there's other guys out there that could, uh, you know, could have been interviewed, brought in, and and looked at, but. I think it's just status, like you said, it's just status quo, and like, like I said, the the fan base here is absolutely disgruntled. There are people talking about they're not going to use their season tickets; they're going to give them away or sell them or whatever. And you know that that's that's troublesome. And then you're going to have a, a ownership group. And, and the funny thing is, today, well, no, last night. I was listening to local sports radio, and and uh, the name uh, Peyton Manning came up. And what I did I tell you? You had talked about that. Yeah, you had <laughs> talked about that. And uh, the owner was like, look, the team is not for sale. So <laughs> there's a little bit of fight back there. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I know one thing. Uh, the, f- the first thing that has to be done in the offseason is short up the offensive line. You know, it doesn't matter what coach that you bring in. If you don't have an offensive line that can protect Mariota, then it's then it's useless. Well, so. and here's the other issue, uh, uh, and it's been more prevalent in talking about the failure of what the uh, Fritz Pollard Alliance is supposed to do. John Wooten and them, they're, you know, working their butts off. But, again, you know, what you have with coaches, coaches are always looking some way to circumvent the system. And so to bypass and things of that nature. So now you're dealing with a situation with, like, like Tennessee, they interviewed Ray Horton 
which I thought Ray, from a defensive standpoint, if you're going to keep Malarkey, you might as well have kept Ray um, or just brought in new blood. But, again, with you not publicly saying you're going to sell the team, you don't want to have two coaching staffs on the books, you know, uh, or and two scouting staffs on the books when you're trying to sell because that's dead money, you know, for guys that aren't coaching in your organization. You at least, you know, keeping some people at status quo, uh, you're able to at least retain some of that money back. You know what I mean? If you're going to pay somebody, he might as well be in-house and – he may be coach. He may be doing this, and someone with the likes of a Peyton Manning is the coach in waiting or GM in waiting. Um, it, it's pretty interesting. So I'm interesting. I'm interested to see how like these hires pan out. Uh, why didn't you go for Tom Coughlin if you're Tennessee? You know, you're such a bad market. He's a guy that brings some attention. Uh, to your city, but again, I think they is bigger plans that they're going to deny until it happens. And uh, speaking of that, we're going to go ahead and deny you guys some time to hear our voices so we can go into commercial. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144, 1-888-346-9144, or send an email to jdharris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. So we're back. Uh, one of the other things, Reese, uh, you look at the whole New York Giants situation, and Jerry Reese, love him to death, uh, He's a guy that has been a man of integrity. They brought in, to me, they've gotten some gems in the later rounds in terms of their drafts because who thought Victor Cruz? You know, then Victor Cruz is hot. He gets hurt. Then 
I mean, Odell, you didn't think he was going to set the world on fire like that. But, you know, there's some other offseason when you got rid of Tuck and the different people, you, I guess, for a while they had depth on the D-line. And I think that's key, the D-line and the running back. But with all that being said, to get rid of Coughlin and hire McAdoo <laughs> in New York, in New York, what are your thoughts about that, Reese? Well, I think it was just a, a, a step down. It, it was a step down in terms of uh, name recognition. And, you know, again, I, I think that, you know, New York being at a much more macro level as compared to, you know, Nashville, for them not to have, you know, brought in a, a name to, to replace Coughlin, I mean, it's really questionable. And, I, and right now, you know, you see the uh, uh, almost kind of like a, a downward trajectory of the of the Giants. I mean, even though you still have Odell, you still have Cruz, you still have Manning. Uh, we'll see what happens to the defense and uh, JPP. I think he has to have surgery, uh, some more surgery on his on his hand. But you know, I, I think that right now you're seeing. Uh, an up-and-coming New York Jets team, and I think they're going to be the focus of New York. And it's, I don't want to say it's unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. Yeah. Now, and here's the thing, too. Their offense wasn't necessarily setting the world on fire. Odell Beckham was. So what people don't understand, being a head coach is much more than X's and O's. I mean, you hire the people to be the X's and O's underneath you, Uh even when I was a head coach, I wasn't always the smartest guy on my staff, but I was smart enough to hire the guys on staff or have the guys, you know, not intimidated to know something that I didn't know. Uh, basically, you're a facilitator, you're a manager of people. Um, so with that in mind, I look at the situation in New York and McAdoo and such a big market where it's craziness, man, I you got to be that dude that you have to be that dude is like you can't be in Chicago and not be that dude. They tried that with Tressman, like Tressman as yep. a person, but it didn't work. I mean, yep. Lovey was different. Lovey was smart. And he was almost like Dick Duran esque. They made the play. They had the players feel in such a way that the players were their mouthpieces for them. You know what I mean? Um, where this situation, I can just see, like you said, it going down in flames. Um, and I think it's almost very similar to the Chip Kelly hire. It was more about the star quarterback where more money is tied in to keep some type of consistency and some comfort for him because this would be his third coordinator in about three or four years or a second if they would have hired somebody else. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it has the potential to become extremely messy there. Uh, so we, we'll see next year, especially in the NFC East. That is, you know, it's it's just mediocre. It's it's mediocre. Washington won uh, just squeaking by. Uh, it, you, it almost looked like uh, a team could have won the division with a losing record. So, you know, so we'll see. I'm going to say this, and I'm just, it's the man cave. So we're sitting back in the living room talking. And there's some people that's thinking this, and I'm going to say it. The AFC North has just now became the SWAC. So now you have 
all the NFL black coaches in one division. And it's like, <laughs> so chances are only one of them gets a chance to compete for a Super Bowl. And again, like, I like, and not what I was going to say earlier about racism and stuff like that, because I love Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians grew up in Philly in the hood around mostly black people. And Bruce, I don't know if you saw the thing on NFL Network, he was saying when he was recruiting college, he went down south, and they were like, hey, you know, these are two of the finest N-words we have on our team. And it, it would, like, made him sit back because it was like, whoa, <laughs> this is, you know, this is how, I mean, people are doing, <laughs> this is how it really is. And so I, I look at, I, it's almost how people joke around and say that, uh, Bill Clinton was the first black president. <laughs> right now, outside in the NFC, the f- only black coach is Bruce Arians. <laughs> well, you still have uh, Caldwell, Detroit. That's uh, true. Uh, he he survived. Yeah, you're right. He survived it. But it's just interesting. You have three four, three fourths of the African American coaches in one division. Yeah, you know, it, it, the funny thing is, I didn't even think about that until you had mentioned it. Yeah, you it's know, like, so. so it's like, well, you guys beat up each other. And and again, you know me, and I have ample friends in the NFL that it doesn't matter what race they are. Like, you know, I know Ron Rivera, you know, there's other guys that I have great admiration for. Uh, I love Jeff, Jeff Fisher. Um but it's just very interesting that I was like, they're all in one division. You have Tomlinson or Tomlin. You have, um, whatchamacallit, uh, Lewis. 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 And, and then and Hugh Jackson. And Hugh Jackson. And so I was like, wow. But <laughs> so it'd be interesting. But speaking of Tomlin and things like that, uh, we got to talk about these games. But before we do that, I have uh, those of you that are not aware. Um, I own a team called the Litchfield Park Renegades, which is an amateur team that we're developing to be pretty much almost like a post-grad developmental team for guys that need that extra year or are in transition with college to develop, and so we can uh, have them move on. Uh, The first year, we're keeping it as an amateur team, Uh, so I have some guys that are a little bit older, but some other things we're going to talk about to even get them to the next level. But I'm glad to have one of our receivers in here, Ernesto. So Ernesto is going to join us in the cave today. How you doing, JD? Yeah. All right. And uh, so, what's up, Ernesto? How you guys doing? All right. I'm so, doing okay. are you freezing in the cave yet, man? Oh, I'm doing okay. <laughs> All right. Not too bad. He looked like he's nervous over here. I, you know, I I haven't given him my real coaching look. I give, I've given him the nice JD. He ain't, he ain't got the foot in the butt yet, Reese. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, watching the game this week, uh, my early prediction before season started, and Reese, you can we could go back and listen to the tape. I said it would be the Cardinals versus the Steelers. I thought it would be between them and New England. Uh the Steelers, did you watch that game, Reese? Yep, I watched it. So well, how about this? I'm going to ask our guest, Ernesto, did you, were you able to catch the game? Yeah, I was. What's some of your thoughts on that game? Uh, I think uh, I think the Patriots controlled the, pretty much the whole game. 
uh, Ben Roethlisberger. He, he did what he had to do without Antonio Brown. Bartavis Bryant really stepped up to the plate, so I think that showed a lot about his character and his uh, uh, playmaking ability. So the Steelers, they, they had a chance. They just couldn't pull it off at the end. Reese, did you watch the game, bro? Yeah, I did. I did. And, you know, <clears throat> Peyton Manning, you know, he didn't blow you away. Um, and, you know, he, he was just efficient. He, he made the plays when he had to. And, and the key thing is he didn't turn the ball over. Um, they barely scratched anything out of the running game. Um, but they're, they're going to need this, you know, uh, coming up this weekend. But, you know, we'll see. Denver, they basically squeaked by. You know, I, I thought that uh, Pittsburgh had a couple of plays out there that they could have made. There was a couple of drop balls. but um, and, and that was my Super Bowl pick, uh, well, to, to meet Philadelphia in the Super Bowl. But uh, both of those teams are out now. So, man. Um, it, I, oh, go ahead. We'll see. Yeah, I think. No, that, no. I, I was just saying, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. What happens with uh, Peyton this weekend? Yeah. Now I looked at the game, and I know that they're uh, they were praying to the football gods if there was such thing that Antonio Bryant didn't show up. Because <laughs> imagine Big Ben with his crutch, and Antonio's his crutch. The mere presence of Antonio causes people to at least have four to six pair or six eyes on him at a time. Um, and when you don't have to deal with that, that changes some things, especially uh, with Denver's defense, even though their secondary is great. But when you could put Antonio at the slot, you put him at the outside, man, that becomes very problematic. And then you got to defend screens. So then you get those other guys in the mix. It, it's crazy, man. Um, I felt like uh, d- looking at that, you know, D'Angelo uh, Williams was, I mean, his presence also would have made just a, ha- a healthy D'Angelo Williams changes the way that game is played as well. So, I mean, but that's what happens at the end of the season. Everybody gets paid to play. So if you're yep. the first that man or the third man, you better be ready to ball up. So, uh, did you watch the New England game, Reese? Oh yeah, yeah, I watched it. What, what were your uh, thoughts? Again, you know, similar to uh, what happened with the Pittsburgh. Uh, I mean, Kansas City just left too many plays on the field, um, and 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 I'll get into the the clock the management, management <laughs> the time <issue>. management. <laughs> Look, yeah. and even going with that, so Kansas City throughout the past couple of years. You know, since Andy's been there, and even at Philly, clock management issues. Doug Peterson, who only got until recently this year, got to call the second half of games, gets a head coaching job based upon him being the coordinator at Philadelphia. (laughs) Yeah. That he only called the second half. And in the second half, you have a history of poor clock management. But with that being said... I didn't ever give Kansas City a chance to win a game. You know, I thought what happened last year was cool and all that, but this year was a different year. Um, I feel like Gronkowski, those dudes, Edelman, man, Tom Brady is the reason why he may go down as the greatest quarterback ever. Uh, And 
we'll talk a little bit more about this game. I know we have to go into break. I'm going to get Ernesto's opinion on that game, and we'll be back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific. Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move oh, on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to J.D. Harris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Okay, we're back. Uh, we have a guest in the studio, Ernesto. Uh, we're, we got Reese, we're talking about the game, uh, the playoff game. Ernesto, did you watch the you watched the New England KC game? Well, yeah, what are some of your thoughts? Give me a quick rundown uh, what you I saw. I think uh, I think Alex Smith was pretty efficient. He he missed a couple throws to uh, Travis Kelsey, obviously in the red zone, which really cost him. And uh, Jerry Macklin, if he was one hundred percent, he would have changed that game because he was obviously hurting the whole time. So he, he his ability to stretch the field and go vertical really really affected how they wanted the game plan against New England. So. Uh, I think I think Kansas City really missed them on that part, but they they played a pretty overall efficient game. Just the fumble at the end there really really cost them. That and time. <laughs> that yeah, and time. And time. Yeah, that and time. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and, and we talk about this. It's time is so it's such a big part of what you do. Just like with Chip Kelly, you know, he was putting his offense was out there too fast, and so the defense wasn't getting time to rest. And you had it's it's such other different nuances of the game. Like people think you could just call plays, but you don't know the effect. It has on this, that, or the other, or situation. And so getting into that, which I was going to make this uh, game, bringing up this game last, but I think it's relative now, is the Cardinals versus the Packers. Um, I looked at, I was watching the game, and I remember to like going into the fourth quarter, I'm sitting there with Larry Fitzgerald's basically brother's father-in-law. Uh, Larry gave, us, gave me tickets. Thank you, Larry. Thank you for a performance. <laughs> uh, but so watching the game, and when it's go- it was uh, three minutes left in the game, and Green Bay goes for it on fourth down. And I was like, that's an excellent call. And he was, uh, Mr. Uh, Nash was like, no, you need to punt, or punt it. I was like, no. First of all, Arizona at that point, their offense wasn't setting the world on fire. I'm like, worst case scenario, they score a touchdown, you still know what you have, and you had a two-minute uh, warning that gives you another timeout. Or you go, uh, they kick an extra a field goal, and now you're down seven points. You're still in the game. And so he was like, no, no. And then what happens? They kick a field goal. They, they're down to a field goal. It's uh, pretty much it's a seven-point game. And then... Arizona went three and out pretty much. You go into the situation where now you've left Aaron Rodgers. Oh, oh the, the other issue was when Bruce Arians actually threw the fade. And I was like, that's not a great call. <laughs> that, and, you know, I'm not watching TV. I'm just saying it as a coach and a coordinator. I was like, yeah. and you and I talked about this Sunday. I was like, there's three or four people in the NFL that you never want to leave a minute and something plus on the clock with. And that's Aaron Rodgers. That's, uh, I said, Russell Wilson. We said Big Ben. And who was the fourth Tom one? Brady. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. I was like, those guys, you do not want to leave them with a minute and something. That's an eternity. And you're looking, and <laughs> thank God, I mean, you see the first Hail Mary. I'm like, oh, uh, well, the first Hail Mary, he gets it first down. And I'm like, I said this beforehand. I was like, to me, in this situation, I'm sending most people back, and I'm putting number 11 on the field as my deep safety because he's a football player. He understands the game. He's intelligent, and he's six three, six four, that can jump up with the best of them and knock it down when the average height of your corners are 5'10". <laughs> um, and that's where time became an issue, and they scored, and Larry got off, and that's where it is with me. But, Reese, what were your thoughts on that game? I know I went way over. Well, I mean, <clears throat> it, it was a great game, uh, number one. I, I just want to preface this by saying that. But um, it, it was a game that went back and forth. Uh, you know, Green Bay came out, you know, and, and made I think they jumped up to what a nine zero lead 
mm-hmm. or something like that. Uh, they had a safety and then uh, scored a touchdown, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but Arizona scored, you know, right after that and took the lead before half. So, you know, it, it had the makings of a good game right there. But, I mean, shout out to uh, Janice, uh, Jeff Janice. Uh, you know, in in a, in a loss, you know, he's gonna, his performance is going to be overlooked. I, I think this guy only had two receptions the entire season. Okay, but he had seven receptions in that game for 145 yards, two touchdowns, and for him to make that play in the end zone, uh, you know, the hail mary that happened that you know where that Aaron threw up at Detroit, you know, you had a bigger guy, you know, out there, but Janice, you know, he stands at six three. And he he made a great play, and almost it almost brought back the the feeling of uh, Tyree, you mm-hmm. know, where he held on to the ball to a, a body part. You know, Tyree, of course, is helmet. But it was just a great game. Uh, you know, I I didn't want it to end. I didn't want it to end like that that quickly. Uh, the way uh, Fitzgerald had uh, just basically, um, well, Arizona just you know. Storm down the field in two plays and finish the game, but uh, I kind of wanted to see a little bit more drama. But uh, I think you wanted more drama from... than that. Dang, well, I, what know, do you want, young and a restless man? This the man cave. <laughs> but I'm saying, you know, it was one of those games that you really didn't want to end because yeah. it was a great game, no matter who you was rooting for. I, I you know, I, I was neutral. I can't sit here and root for the Packers as a Bears fan. But Reece, but oh, go ahead. No, I'm I'm a, I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan, but it was just a great game, a great game to watch, a great Sunday night, uh, a Sunday night game, or sat, was Saturday, Saturday night, night or Sunday. But it yeah, was Saturday it was under night Sunday night, night football. Yeah, but can I tell you this in a stadium? Like I have video. I don't know if you saw some of the things I posted. It was I, and this is me, and you know me. When I go to a game now, I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I'd rather be at home watching a game. The electricity in that building, man, you couldn't even hear your own thoughts. It was that loud. And, I mean, and the Packers, which I was surprised. I was like, you guys were just here two two or three weeks ago. They had great representation in the stands. So when, when first of all, when that second Hail Mary went, <laughs> it got, like, Reese, it was like Helen Keller. It was deaf. Quiet. You, you can hear any. It was so. It was just like dead. Your people were just in shock, and I became a fan of football. Like a fan. I wasn't looking at it from an analytical point. At the, I was like, man, this is like a storybook, a movie, football game. Like, like this is unbelievable. That couldn't happen. And then to see Carson, who wasn't his normal self. With, and I think a lot has to do with that injury with his finger. But when you see him roll out and bounce off his lineman and throw across the field and Larry by himself, who the whole talk, even last year, Larry has lost a step. He's not good as good as running after the catch. And this mug takes off and is outrunning people. And then did you see you know, me uh, uh, do uh, Eddie George and stiff, uh, stiff arm old boy from the Packers neck? I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, he had a, he had a throwback game. Yeah, he did. I mean, he to me, that was his best play in his career. I mean, that 
will be one of known as one of the best plays of his career. Ernesto, did you? Um, I know you had to watch the yeah, game. Yeah, I definitely did. Ooh. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Carson Palmer really came out in the overtime. I don't know how he escaped that that sack, but yeah, he found Larry Fitzgerald. Kind of, cannot kind of reminded me of that play he did uh, against Steelers in the Super Bowl, where he ran that slant, took it all the way to the house. That was kind of the same memorable kind of play, and uh, Larry Fitzgerald really showed up when uh, he needed it. And uh, that's what that's what players do. Who are who are the best ones on the team? They show up when it when it really matters. Yeah, I'll I'll say this about what I saw. Uh, some of my thoughts, even going into the Super Bowl with the Cardinals, Reese. Uh, just I'm gonna go off tangents for a second. But I look at Moses, and I'm actually writing uh, Bruce an email tonight. And one of the things is, I was like, if you look at this. Cardinals team, for the most part, it's a whole bunch of, in a way, undesirable or people that don't fit the bill, per se, by NFL standards in one sense. Carson was supposed to be done in Cincinnati. He His knees were shot, and he stepped it up at Oakland, but you came here, he did well, because he had some guys that were undersized, uh, were fast, but weren't supposed to last in the league, supposed to be late to uh, free agent pickups. You have Bruce Arians that most old coaches don't even get interviewed, and then he brings some coaches on the staff that's older than him with a mix of young guys. And then you have Larry that should, you know, by all means felt people outside of being fans of his felt like, okay, he should retire or go somewhere else. He doesn't warrant the money that they're going to give him. And a pieced up offensive line, Dwight Freeney, who's supposed to be done, and even with Pat, uh, with Patrick Peterson, you know, diabetic, all that, and these casts is like, it's almost like God put together all these misfits to do this. So not because they're just here and I know them, but that's why I'm cheering, Reese. Have you, I mean, have you looked at the Cardinals team? No, I, you know, I don't know. I don't follow them like that. Of course, I know about, you know, Carson and his uh, issues in Cincinnati then being shipped to Oakland, which he basically uh, kind of disappeared in, into the, you know, he had a he had a, a one good season in, in Oakland, but I think he was rejuvenated coming to Arizona. But with uh, the way, you know, Fitzgerald's story is even more uh Interesting because I think that you know last year he was relegated to you know playing slot, and I think that he didn't get the touches that he felt that he needed to get. But he that he's a type of high character guy that he's not gonna you know argue and, and and go to the media about it. But he just continued to play, continued to play his role. And this year everything has changed. You know I, I think having. Uh, some speeches on the outside really opened things up for him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting team. And, you know, you have two great stories uh, coming up, you know, in this, this game next week. Yeah, I mean, we're going to go into break uh, and finish up the next game and talk about some basketball. We'll be back. Go 
off is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Are you ready for a show that's all about what goes on behind the scenes and how it relates to what you see on the field? Tune in for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on the Voice America Sports Channel. Our guests will bring you the stories, the opinions, the expertise, and the inspiration behind what you hear in sports news. Find out what happens next. Listen for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Your Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to J.D. Harris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back. Welcome back. This is uh, Maurice. I'm here with J.D. Harris and Ernesto. And the last game that we want to uh, recap, uh, is the Seattle Seahawks Carolina Panthers game, and boy, oh boy, guys! I tell you what, I was getting ready to just turn off the TV at halftime and 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 uh, get some work done because the shellacking that Carolina put on Seattle in that first half was absolutely abnormal. Uh, I wasn't expecting. It. I know all the football fans uh, throughout the world wasn't expecting expecting this. Many of us had picked uh, Seattle to go into Carolina and win this game. But um, I'm glad I didn't turn the TV off because uh, Seattle made a mad dash uh, in, the, in the second half. They shut Carolina down, held them scoreless in the second half, but they just dug too deep of a hole for themselves to uh, completely come back. So what did you guys think about that, uh, Ernesto? Yeah, I think uh, I think they really came out with a, a game plan the second half. The Seahawks did. Russell Wilson didn't really waste too much time uh, trying to get down the field and score. And, uh, yeah, they really shut down Cam Newton as well. The running game wasn't there. And uh, and Cam Newton really didn't have anywhere to go with the ball. They, they doubled up on Greg Olson. The running game wasn't really there. So uh, the Seahawks really came out firing in the second half, and they, they weren't really uh, wasting any time to score, and that, that really set the tone for the second half. Yeah, it, it almost felt like they uh, slept walk through the entire first half. Um, 
it just seemed like a like a bunch of blown assignments, uh, missed tackles all over the place. The defensive line was getting just ramrodded the entire first half, couldn't stop the run. Jonathan Stewart was doing whatever he wanted to. Of course, Cam Newton, you know, does what he does, picks up first downs uh, when it's third and short. So they just couldn't, it, it, you know, Carolina was just seemed like a, a snowball rolling down the field, just blasting through all barriers and op- opposition uh, with that momentum. But it's something that happened in the second half. I think uh, Seattle started to pick up the tempo on offense and went into, you know, more so like a sugar huddle uh, and started to play faster. And that really kept uh, Carolina in a base package, even though they probably – uh, played back a little bit and, and weren't as aggressive. But even if they did that, I think that uh, they would have got exposed by, you know, Seattle playing more of, more so of a hurry-up offense the entire second half. And, of course, they were they were forced to do that. So, And, and I think uh, as a, a coach and having run no huddle, huddle offenses, I think it puts a lot of quarterbacks, especially when you have an intelligent quarterback and one that's mobile, I think – when they're in that situation, they actually their level of play actually gets better because there is almost like you're playing instinctively as opposed to when sometimes when you huddle up, you got a lot to think about and process, but when you're up there, you're seeing it is more reactionary. And I think that, I mean, I agree with you, Reese. Carolina came out like Akon. They were smacking that A. And uh, for Seattle to come back and – do some things and kind of realize just who they were, you know, uh, coming out at halftime. Um, just they needed another minute or two in the game. Change changes things, you know. Uh, even the presence of a Marshawn Lynch who, you know, would make a difference, a healthy Marshawn Lynch. So it's 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 interesting. So if, yeah. real fast before you uh, kind of take over some other things that I know you want to talk about, Who's your predictions this weekend? Uh, we'll go we'll go at Ernesto first. I think uh, I think it's going to be the Patriots and the Panthers that come out with a victory. Okay, he is about to get booed out of Arizona. <laughs> All right, uh, Reese, who do you have? You know what? I'm going with uh, Denver and uh, the Panthers. I think uh, the old man Manning is going to you know play a flawless game. He's not going to kill you with stats, but he's not going to turn the ball over either. So I am going, I'm in direct opposition with you all with NFC. I'm going with the Cardinals. I think they actually match up better with Carolina than most people because they have the back-end defense with their secondary to match up with the unnamed receiving core. Uh, And I also think that their front four matches up with the running game. I think unless Carolina runs north and south, that's the only way that they'll beat up the Cardinals. Um, in terms of the Denver-New uh, England game, I really feel like New England can beat them, but I think the secondary and that front four for Denver makes a difference. And so, therefore, I'm going to actually – I'm still going to go with New England <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> I, was going, I, I want to say Denver, but, man, it's just something about Brady, Gronkowski – and that grew, they, I think they don't lose another one in Denver. I think, I think Tom Brady takes this much more personal, 
and he can take it personal and have the ability to do something about it. I think that's the difference with Peyton. He doesn't have anything to do about it. And what one thing Belichick does is take away what you do best. And so they can't really run the ball. And in the past, they could throw the ball, but they drop a lot of balls. So I'm going to go with New England. Yeah, you said all of that and then backtracked and said New England. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, because that's, they drop too many balls, too. When you're relying on a pass game and your running game is not one that threatens what, what you do, Belichick is a wrap. So uh, there. Well, we'll we'll see what the we'll see what the weather holds this weekend also because you know uh, New England was out. Amendola in that first half this past weekend was dropping a lot of balls too. So, you know, it it I think it goes both ways. It, it should be a good game. I think the Carolina uh, Arizona game is going to be the better of the two games. But uh, we we shall see, we shall see. Uh, very quickly, I want to change gears before we uh, run out of time. I, I want to talk a little bit NBA and specifically one team. I, I don't. Did you guys see that shellac and that Cleveland uh, took uh, from Golden State the other night? No, I just saw LeBron's little uh, Vine clip of when Steph Curry stole the ball and he was. Just, oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> oh. That facial expression was hilarious. I was cracking up. I was like, Yeah, he was like, this dude, man. Yeah, it was like, I'm telling mama on you, you know. Yeah, but uh, that was such the psychological pimping. It was a sight. I watched the entire game, and I enjoyed the entire game. I tell you, I enjoyed every minute of it. And and Steph didn't even play the fourth quarter as usual. But uh, it just lets you know that, you know, there's nothing that Cleveland can do. They can they can win the East, but if they have to face Golden State again in the finals, it's, it's a wrap. They might as well forfeit four games to them because there's nothing that they can do to stop, you know, the onslaught slot of offense that they have. Um, the interesting thing is tonight Golden State plays in Chicago. Uh, one thing that Chicago has a tendency of doing is stopping streaks and beating hot teams, especially coming off of good wins. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Uh, Derek has actually been playing a lot better, I'd say, the last 10 games. He's been playing really well for the Bulls, even though they've gone on a slide. And, and, and there's more reasons to that. But, again, you know, the NBA – as as well as uh, Golden State has been playing, San Antonio's only two and a half games out. That's and what like, I was going to say. I don't think it's a clean run for say, uh, for Golden State because it looks to me like they're getting hot. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll, we'll uh, be getting into more of the NBA as the uh, NFL season winds down. But uh, for now, we're going to wrap up, and we thank you for listening and. J.D., it's been a pleasure talking to you once again. Ernesto, it's been a pleasure also talking sports with you. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. All right. Peace. All right. We're just about out of here. But make sure you come on back next Wednesday at 6 p.m. East, 3 p.m. West for another edition of The Man Cave with J.D. Harris and Ray Austin on the Voice America Sports Channel. See you soon.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.